Let us go up to the house of the Lord. Lord, I pray that as I share the word that I believe is the right one for today, I ask Holy Spirit that you would communicate through me. I pray that every heart would be receptive and that we would tune in to what it is you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen! Amen! Okay, great. Good morning. Talking about bringing balance into our lives. Bringing balance into our lives. This is a message which touches on a little bit more of the practical. But I believe it is very important that based on the Word and the principles in the Word that we learn to build balance into our lives. Have you, of late perhaps, encountered people that are stretched to the limit? Or people that are like on the edge? Not the cutting edge as in, that's good, but like on the edge as if they're battling to actually keep the balls in the air. They're battling to balance everything. Have you encountered people like that? People who are pushed to the edge? People who are almost at breaking point? Maybe as I say that, you can immediately think of, yeah, that person. <laughs> or you can think of that one, you know. They don't seem to be able to keep a good balance. Uh, but maybe some of you are saying, hey, that's me. <laughs> that's me. If I'm honest with you, John, there's many times that I battle to keep a healthy balance. And I believe that the solution in this thing is to come to the center, to actually come to a place of being in balance, to steer away from the edge and steer towards a healthy center. But let me say this. This is not God's job. This is our job. Creating balance in your life is your job. It's my job. It's not God's job. We are the stewards of our lives. God gives us our lives. He gives us breath. and In Him we live and move and have our being. And He determines how many years we're going to live for and all of that. But the way in which we do it is our job. So we can't say, well, God... God must do this for me. No, no, no. God says, here is my word. Here are the principles. This is your job to apply them to your life. It's your job to create balance. You know, I read a book once called God's Generals by Robert Lyrodin. And this, looks at, this book looked at many of the great men and women of God. Amy Semple McPherson, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, uh, just a whole bunch, maybe 12 or 14 of these great generals of God that were mightily used of God. But in many of the instances, although many of them had powerful ministries, the majority ended up in some kind of a burnout, failure, unable to interact with people anymore, overpeopled, some of them losing their marbles kind of thing. And Yet, they thought that, well, the anointing will just carry them. And they can minister these ridiculous amount of hours and not have a rest. <laughs> I think of even the Lake 
Lakeland outpouring that took place. Why they had to go every single night of the week, I don't know. What about God's principles that He has established? And so many of these great men and women of God, even though they knew God so well, they battled to apply common sense principles which are found in the Word of God and which are just common sense. That means it's actually all around about us. <laughs> and they battled to apply these things and as a result ended up putting themselves out of being effective for God. And in this book, I remember Robert Slyridan, he was looking at all these people and then he said, you know what? We have to realize that we are the stewards of our lives. It's your job, sir. It's your job, ma'am, to create balance in your life. It's not God's job. Now, there are many things that we could touch on with regard to balance. There's, there's probably a whole big list. And I just want to touch on four of these things today. Number one of four aspects of bringing balance into our life. Number one, ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Would you please turn to the person next to you and tell them, ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Tell them. You can even point your finger. It's okay. Make sure you are getting sufficient rest. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. The Bible does have something to say about rest. Matthew 11 verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, important thing here. I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe there is a connection between physical rest and spiritual rest. I believe these things are connected. I don't believe that you can be physically and emotionally run down and in a bad state and be on top spiritually. I don't believe so. You can be ill physically in terms of sickness and so on and still be on fire for God in your spirit. But I'm talking about being run down, being drained physically, being drained emotionally. When you get to that place, I don't believe you can be spiritually amped, spiritually on top. These things are actually connected. And in order for us to have spiritual vitality, we, we need to make sure that we are getting sufficient physical rest, that we are ordering our private worlds, that we are ordering our responsibilities in such a way that we're not overextending ourselves. God hasn't called you to take on more than what you're wired to handle. Although the world wants us to think that we are like machines, that we can handle endless amounts and it can just keep on coming and never stop, that's not the way God planned it to be. I read an interesting article a couple of years ago about leading worship. And this guy was writing to, to worship leaders and he was saying an important thing before coming into a session where you lead worship is that you come in well rested. I thought, you know, 
There's lots of other things that I would see as important with leading worship, like, you know, making sure you warm up your voice before the time and do your, you know, your collie wobbles and all of that. Or I don't know, there's probably a lot of other things. But he said, rest. Come in in a place of being rested. And he says, as a result, you will be more at ease. You will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And more, most likely, there will be deeper levels of worship when you come from a place of being in rest. From a place of rest. And I believe that this is important, but I would like to touch on a specific aspect of rest. And that is sleep. Now, nobody sleeping in the service here, please. Okay. But you know what? I can't ever remember hearing a sermon where a pastor touched on sleep. <laughs> but it is a very important part of our lives. Sleep is so massively therapeutic. I tell you what, you take a few days when you make sure you get to bed at a good time and you wake up at the right time and you make sure you're getting your enough sleep, which is approximately eight hours a night. You have a couple of days in a row, four or five days, of ensuring that you're getting enough sleep and you're a different person. But you know when you start to snap at the kids and snap at your colleague at work and, and get irritated when your cell phone rings, who's it now? What do you want? You know, that you're not getting enough sleep and that you need to get sleep. The average person requires eight hours of sleep per night to function effectively. Some of the young adults say, well, they need ten. <laughs> Especially when it comes to a Saturday morning, sleeping in. But you know what? I'm aware of so many people that have sleeping difficulties. I'm of the opinion, if, if I was to ask people to raise their hands, I'm not going to do that, to say, do you have a sleeping difficulty? There would be a lot of people that raise their hands. And I, I'm speaking about this today because I feel that God wants His people to be restored. Are you hearing me? God wants His people to be restored in this area. If you are requiring a sleeping pill every night to be able to sleep, I believe God wants to bring restoration. There's nothing wrong with occasionally using a sleeping pill. I've got no problem with medication and things like that. There's a place for it. But I want to say to you that I believe that God wants to restore you. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 2, He gives His beloved sleep. That's what the Word says. 127, Psalm 127, verse 2, He gives His beloved sleep. Maybe part of the problem is that we are carrying the burdens and we're not casting our cares, casting our anxiety on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. Because that is one of the big causes of not sleeping properly is that we hold these anxieties in our minds and hearts and we cannot properly switch off. If you are requiring perpetual medication to sleep, I want to say to you, I believe that the Lord Jesus wants to heal you of that and restore your mind and your heart and even your physical body to be able to sleep. He gives His beloved sleep. 
I also want to extend an invitation after the service. If you want prayer concerning this area, we would like to pray for you afterwards. And overseeing shepherds and the shepherds and some of the life group leaders, I want to ask that straight after the service, you're up front here ready to pray for anybody that's battling in this area. How many of you know at least of one friend or one family member that battles with their sleeping patterns? Raise a hand if you can mention one person. It is widespread. And I believe that it's the way in which the enemy tries to get us away from experiencing spiritual rest by depleting us physically and by causing us to be run down. But it's important that we ensure that we get sufficient rest and sleep so that we can be spiritually on top as well, because we're not just spirits. We are spirit, soul, and body, and our body requires a lot of work, a lot of rest, shall I say. I believe that rest is one of the most ignored principles in Scripture. I even shared a message on this once, but it's an ignored principle. And although we aren't required to keep the Sabbath in the Old Testament sense of it, there is still a principle that God established, a principle of Sabbath rest. That means that one out of seven should be a time in which you replenish your reserves. One out of seven days should be a time, pick a day, it doesn't really matter. Might be a Sunday for you, might be another day for somebody else. But pick a day, make sure you are replenishing yourself one out of seven. This is a principle that God has established. When we violate the principles, we find ourselves stressed and on the edge. When we apply the principles, we find our lives in balance. Rest is often a challenge for people in the corporate world where it's a high level of corporate dynamic pressure, deadlines, and so on. And yes, admittedly, your Mondays to Fridays may be very difficult to factor in the whole thing of rest, but you still do have weekends. You still do have some time which is under your own ordering. You still, excuse me, do have some time when you can make a call. Sometimes, we still do have some time, shall I say, when you can decide what you're going to do. Your boss does not command you 24-7. And especially on weekends, you need to make sure that you're setting the time aside to be able to get sufficient rest. Talking about bringing balance into our lives, that's number one. Ensure that you're getting sufficient rest. Number two, the power of personal time with God. The amazing thing about personal time with God is how potent it is. A few minutes in the presence of of God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Please turn to Psalm 23 with me as quick as you can. Did you bring your Bible with you? Good. Psalm 23. If you didn't, we're going to make you blow the vuvuzela. <laughs> that young boy blew it pretty well, eh? Gee, it was. Psalm 23. It is a psalm that we know well, but I'd like to highlight something here. It says here, in verse 2, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Doesn't that sound like balance? Doesn't that sound like rest? 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That sounds like rest to me. Now look at this. He restores my soul. Many times we are walking around with a soul that is not restored. We are walking around with a soul that is almost in torment because of the amount of pressures we carry. But God says, I understand that there are pressures in life. But there's times when you come and you just walk with me beside still waters and I restore you. I restore your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. I restore your mind. I bring back peace to guard your mind and your heart. I bring order back into your mind, your will. I restore your will. How can you have your will restored? Sometimes we battle in the decisions. We don't know which way do I go, what call do I make, and we're battling to choose the right thing. Because we're not in a place of restoration in our souls. But God says, I'll restore that. Your soul, which includes your will, which means you'll make the sharp decisions again. You'll make the right decisions again. Because there'll be order because of what I put into your heart. I'll restore your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Boy, oh boy, do we need our emotions to be restored. God knew that we would face pressures in life. But he also gave us the solution. And he said, I'm going to lead you. You just take my hand and I'm going to guide you and I will restore your soul. God wants to restore each of those aspects, your mind, your will, your emotion. Now, last week I was on our farm in East London and for like a day and a half, it had just been non-stop kids, action, TV, soccer, going to the shops, the malls, and just been non-stop action and and I found a little break in the afternoon where the kids were watching TV and Mandri was busy doing something, I'm not sure, where I just walked out of the house and there's like big gardens around the house and I just went for a, a walk around the garden. And my uncle's got some cows on the farm and so I went and walked and looked at the cows and, and just appreciated nature, just appreciated being outside. And then I just started talking to the Lord because what came to mind is that it was at a two-year, almost a two-year anniversary of my sister-in-law's sad passing away. And we were there in East London when we heard the news and, and here I was back in East London. And you know, it's just something that came up and I just began to talk to the Lord about it. I just began to get perspective. I just began to talk. And you know what? Within a few moments, I can honestly say it's like the Lord restored my soul. He wants you to talk to Him about the struggles that you're going through. He wants you to talk to Him about the things that you're wrestling with. And I can honestly say, just through talking to the Lord a little bit like that, I walked into the house a few minutes later and I felt good because He had restored my soul. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Part of living a balanced life is enjoying personal time with your Creator. We're talking about bringing balance into our lives. That's the second point. 
the power of personal time with God. It will restore you. It will bring balance. The third aspect, which to me is tremendously important, number three of four aspects of bringing balance in your life. Number three, invest in friendships that build and strengthen you. This is something that is often neglected. Invest in friendships that build and strengthen you. Part of a well-balanced life includes quality friendships. We need special people in our lives that will love us and that will stand with us. We really cannot do it alone. When I was growing up, also on the farm, I've got all these farm stories today, but anyhow, when I was growing up, I was about 8 or 10 years old, something like that, and we were down on our farm in East London, and there was a man who was renting one of the little units from, from the farm, and, and he was staying there, and, but he was a strange cat, if I can put it that way. He was a strange person, and he would come driving in with his old Volkswagen Kombi, you know, the ones that the hippies used to use, and, but it didn't have flowers on it. He was about a 55-year-old man, but a total recluse kept to himself, and, and my dad kept on saying to me that, or kept on telling us that he's a social hermit. A social hermit. I thought, wow, we've got a social hermit on the farm. <laughs> I didn't know about a hermit. I, I knew, well, Kermit. <laughs> but we had a social hermit on the farm, and eventually my dad explained, no, this is a person that keeps to themselves, and they don't like to spend time with other people and so on. And this man would come driving into the farm, and he would come driving up to the place where he would stay, and we'd all peer out the windows as kids. There he is. There he goes. There he goes. And he gets out, and he jumps out, and he goes into his door, closes the door, you don't see him again. Wow, he's weird, you know? I remember as a kid, this was quite fascinating to me. But you know what? That's not the way God has designed it. I don't know, maybe, maybe that person was hurt in life, and that's what they ended up doing. But God hasn't designed us to operate in isolation we need support. We need friends that love us and stand with us. Listen to this statement. In life, there are those who lean and those who lift. There are those who lean and those who lift. I want to surround myself with people that lift. Because there's a lot of people that just want to lean. <laughs> I tell you what, you surround yourself with a couple of friends that speak life into you, that believe in you, that are an encouragement to you, that really toast your chocolate, if I can put it that way, and you know what? It causes you to do better. We need people that believe in us, that celebrate us, that like to spend time with us, that like to do pizzas with us. Now, I must say, I do have some friends that drain me. Do you have any? After the service, please don't come ask me if that's you, okay? <laughs> but I do have some friends that drain me. And you know, they'll say, hey, John, you, you should come around for a braai. And I'm like, a braai? Ah, a braai. Sure. We haven't had one of those for a while, eh? You know? And you try to avoid it, you try to get out of it, and and you end up having to go or whatever. 
But you know, then there's other people that want to hang out, they want to get together, and it's like, what a pleasure. Let's do it. When? <laughs> you know? Let's go to movies together. Let's do something. Let's enjoy each other. You get people that lean, and you get people that lift. I want to surround myself with people that lift. We need to ask ourselves, do we really need to have friends that tell us all the latest crime statistics, all the latest muggings and rapes and dog poisonings in the neighborhood? Do we really need friends that will always tell us that? Do we really need friends that tell us nonstop gossip or bad news or anything like, you know, anything that's bad, they want to tell you about it and Michael Jackson was actually murdered. Do you know that? You know? He's murdered. Yeah. No way. Really? You know? It's one year anniversary. They've revealed it now. You know, sometimes people can talk. The good Greek word is twak. T-W-A-K. Twak. That's the Greek word for a lot of... A lot of twak. Do we really need friends that talk all that sort of stuff? I don't, but I like friends that charge my batteries. And after spending time with them, it's like, that has been good. When are we going to spend time again? The Bible says, Proverbs 12, verse 26, it says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Interesting. The Bible actually has a lot to say about friendship. I'd like to give you a few principles quickly. A couple of principles about friendship. Friends rally around us when things are tough. The Bible says, To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend. That's Job 6 verse 14. Another principle of friendship. Friends show love. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. Isn't it great to know that some of your friends they're good friends. They've got your back. They really love you. Another principle of friendship, in order to gain friends, we must be friendly. Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. Another principle of friendship, honest and kind people make friends easily. Proverbs 22 verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, even the king will be his friend. Another principle of friendship. Moody people end up destroying their friendships. Proverbs 22 verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go. Another principle. Friends help us to grow and develop. This is a very important one. Because some people end up getting little pet ideas or thinking that if they had had some friends, they would have just said, hey, but what are you thinking? That doesn't make sense. And they would have become better, well-rounded people. Friends help us to develop and grow. Proverbs 27, 17, as, a, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Also, Proverbs 27.9 says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. A last principle of friendship is that a real friend will tell you the truth and speak straight. 
I love this scripture. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is the kind of person that will see what's going on between you and your wife and will actually not keep quiet. They'll say, but you can't talk to your wife like that. Hey, Jeff, you cannot talk to your wife like that. Don't let me see that happen again. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But it is necessary that we invest in friendships. I want to ask you, how are you doing with regard to friendships? Are you investing in the friendships that you have? Do you actually see them as important for your well-being in life? Important for you to live a balanced life is to have times with friends. That is what God intended us to do. Maybe also it's time to look out for a new friend. Maybe the Lord would like to bring somebody new into your life that would be just a blessing. But we're talking about bringing balance into our lives. That's number three. Invest in friendships that build and strengthen you. The last one, number four, which is fairly brief. Number four, go ahead and enjoy some me time. How do you like that? Number four, go ahead and enjoy some me time. I'd like to read you a scripture from Song of Solomon 1 verse 6. It's out of the Good News Bible. It says, Don't look down on me because of my color, because the sun has tanned me. My brothers were angry with me and made me work in the vineyard. I had no time to care for myself. This is Song of Solomon 1 verse 6. I had no time to care for myself, is the last phrase. You see, Solomon was good at taking care of everybody else. He was taking care of his family. He was taking care of his friends. He was taking care of his work. But through it all, Solomon was not tending his own vineyard. He was so busy in the vineyard doing the work which he's supposed to do and he needed to do, that he was not tending his own vineyard. He was not looking after himself. Sometimes I see moms like that, so busy running the home, doing all these things, helping the kids with homework, that you see them run down. Sometimes moms, especially when they've got young kids, they really need this me time. But you know what? Every single one of us, we need to have me time. We need to not just spend our time on everybody else, but we need to decide, I'm going to take time for me. I know of somebody who once a year, uh, it's Pastor Derek Puffett, he takes his little tent and he goes to Pilansburg and he goes and camps there, he calls it his tent of meeting for about three or four nights, all by himself. And at first when I heard this a few years ago, I thought, this, this is crazy, man, it's crazy. You know? <laughs> and then, as I thought about it, I thought, you know what? Maybe that's the way he likes to recharge. Maybe there's other ways that you like to recharge. Sometimes it can just be making yourself a cup of coffee and going sitting out on the stoop. Or making yourself a coffee, a, 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 a color coffee, <laughs> making yourself a cup of coffee and going sit separately in the lounge. Leave the family room and the buzz there. Go sit in the lounge. Just have a cup of coffee by yourself. Sometimes we feel guilty when we do that. And we feel that we're being selfish. 
But you know what? We need to spend time on ourselves. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can only be effective in loving your neighbor, meeting somebody else's need, if in yourself you're in a good space. Before you can go out to work and be effective and productive, you have to spend time on yourself. You have to wash. You have to do your makeup. You've got to get dressed. You've got to do all these things. And I just want to say to you, have the freedom. Go ahead and enjoy some me time. It's part of living a balanced life. We've been talking this morning about bringing balance into our lives. Number one, ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Number two, the power of personal time with God. It will restore you. Number three, invest in friendships that build and strengthen you. And number four, go ahead and enjoy some me time. In conclusion, I'd like to say, it's important that we live balanced lives so that we can be effective for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity of hearing important principles for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply this. We realize, Lord, that it is our job and our responsibility, but we also say that we need your grace. I pray that the testimony of each of our lives would be that we are living in a balanced way, that we are emotionally healthy, that we are strong because we are applying the principles. And we just say, Lord, we love you. We realize that most of all, it's you that restores our strength and we look to you to be the strength of our lives. Lord, I speak your blessing over every person here. I pray, O oh God, that you'd bless us indeed and enlarge our territory, that your hand would be with us and upon us, that you would keep us from evil, that we would not cause pain. I speak a special blessing over everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord